This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Mayor John Tory has launched the latest step in his plan to tackle traffic congestion and traffic woes around the city. Uh, and these are expected to help the traffic flow and the safety of pedestrians and cyclists. All of those very big issues here on Fight Back, the recommendations or the, the new measures Traffic blitzes, retimed traffic signals. Mayor John Tory is on the line with us now. Mayor, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Libby. So, uh, what has gone into effect today? Well, it's actually a process that's been going on for a while, but in the earlier part of the year, I announced that we had identified using actual traffic data, and I think a lot of listeners will know you now have apps on your phone, whether it's Google Maps or whether it's Waze, that actually allow traffic to be monitored, and so we have access to that data, and we picked out of all that data the 10 worst intersections in the city, Uh, and it ranges all the way from Shepherd and Young to Victoria and Finch, where we were this morning, and of course, a number downtown. We then did a full audit of those intersections as to why there were problems, and then each one has a prescription that's provided for it. So at Victoria and Finch, where we were this morning, um, it included putting in a camera there, which cost $30,000, so it's not a small item, and it now hooks Victoria and Park and Finch up to the traffic control center for the first time so that the people who sit there can actually watch the traffic there, and they actually can, sitting at their computers, alter the timing of traffic signals if the traffic gets backed up. We put in a new left turn or extended the timing of the left turn there because it was the audit indicated there were people waiting long time to turn left when they were going east-west and so we simply changed the timing of the intersection uh, and we will be putting the new advanced technology in there next year we're just going through the procurement for that now and it actually will be able to monitor traffic as it goes by itself right now it's monitored through sensors that are in the pavement and for example when there's an incident on the parkway victoria and finch gets messed up because people either come off the parkway to go north south or it just puts a lot of traffic on the east-west part of Finch, and it will actually be able to adjust the signals automatically when it knows there's an incident on the parkway. So this is all, these are small things, but they're just necessary to try and do our best uh, with a busy city to move people better. Okay. Um, They sound good. Uh, Selfishly, I have to say, I don't see any intersections where I have trouble on a daily basis, but there are a lot of, say, intersections where there's a legal left turn, but there is no advanced green. And, and it's almost impossible. I mean, you end up turning on red. Um, so what is the rollout plan for other places in the city for this? Well, we have added a significant number of those left-turn arrows, and we're adding more. Uh, And the rollout is really through the rest of this year and into next. And you'll find a significantly increased number of those left-turn arrows uh, by this time next year. And the uh, Miles Curry, the fellow from the the public servant from the Traffic Services uh, Division, pointed out this morning that all they did at Victoria and Finch 
was they adjusted the timing of the left turn arrow by five seconds, but his estimate is, based on their expertise, you can get another three or four cars through just by making that five-second adjustment. You have to be careful, of course, when you make the adjustment east-west for left turns because then it affects all the rest of the traffic. So you can't, say, add a minute to it because it just adds a minute, then somebody else will be sitting. So these are the kinds of things we're doing, um, and it's not going to sort of make a difference where traffic disappears overnight, but I think it's going to make a difference to, as you say, avoiding these long lineups that can build up to turn left and things like that, which are as aggravating to people as almost anything else. Well, it's also, is it coming with enforcement? Because one of the things that I've noticed is, uh, you know, when the light turns uh, amber, that uh, the cars going straight will will rush through long past the time that they should. And that just means you can't turn left if that's what you're trying to do. The, uh, the answer to your question is yes. As you know, we already have, I think it's 79 uh, red light cameras, which are meant to pick up exactly the conduct you just described, which is against the law. And uh, we're going to be moving some of them that are in places where what happens with a red light camera levy is that um, it, when the fines are levied on people and they're big fines, $300 plus, behavior tends to change and get better. Um, and so we're even looking at some places where, quite frankly, the number of accidents and other kinds of things caused by that sort of rushing through red lights and orange lights uh, has improved. And we're going to move those red light cameras. We're also seeking from the province as you may have discussed with your listeners before, uh, permission to both deploy non-police officers to direct traffic, because right now it's not a best use of a police officer's time, given how trained they are and so on. And, and, and how expensive they are. Yeah, yeah exactly. And secondly, um, to use technology, more technology for this. So in school zones, for example, we have sought uh, the permission and told we're going to be given it uh, to use technology to monitor speeds in uh, school zones, because, again, we couldn't possibly have enough police officers to be in every school zone where, again, people are speeding, and they're speeding in a way that's unsafe for kids, but also unsafe for them. Uh, this is just a kind of technical question that I, I, I don't really understand. So I take my route to work uh, every day. It's more or less the same, more or less the same time. But sometimes uh, I get a clear shot, and sometimes literally red light every block. Why is that? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is that there are signals that are um, equipped or in the network to give transit priority. So if a light is held a bit longer uh, that causes you to wait a bit longer because a streetcar is going by with 50 people on it, then that's the way the system is set up because we figure it's more important to move those 50 people if it means extending the light by 20 or 30 seconds. So it's set up the system to operate that way. But the second and probably bigger reason is that Toronto's uh, traffic signal management system is on two different computer systems. It's antiquated. The first one probably is in the like Commodore 64 1970s. <laughs> uh, you know, literally, I mean, we were, we were the first city in North America to have our traffic signals controlled by a computer, and we're now almost among the most out of date. And so we're going to be replacing the entire system uh, with something that's very, you know, the most, the leading edge, uh, but it's not going to be done until in, starting next year. It just it takes time to procure the system. So when you have lights that are operating on two different systems, you're much more likely to end up up with reds when you shouldn't, as opposed to having a system that's synchronized, so you end up with greens uh, all the way. So we are working on that, and it is a problem. I acknowledge that. Uh, are you going to measure, or how are you going to measure the impact 
that these changes have on safety for pedestrians and, and for cyclists and for all of us? Well, the only real measurement on improved safety should be a reduction in these terrible numbers we hear about where the, quite literally hundreds of people across the city all year are struck, either cyclists or pedestrians. And we've said that the objective is to get that to zero. Um, so we've got various measures, including speed limits and all the things you and I have been talking about, reconfiguring some streets, um, you know, creating more crosswalks and so on and so on, uh, designed to make things safer. Um, but we're going to be just relying on data. We're going to rely on data with respect to the numbers of these collisions involved pedestrians and so on and and monitor it and publicize it rigorously we have to count on some degree of changed behavior and better education for drivers uh, and others and uh, and and then uh, lastly we're going to continue to use data and report it to the public on traffic conditions you know I think one of the things we underestimate is the degree to which people who get frustrated sitting in traffic on main routes then kind of swerve around that traffic and can hit a pedestrian in doing that or they just swerve around the traffic and head off onto a side street where they drive much faster than they should uh, because they're trying to get away from a traffic jam. And I think the better we can make the traffic move, the less you'll see this. One final thing, Libby, is that you know, we've obviously got to get on with the number one way we're going to relieve traffic congestion in Toronto, which is building better and more public transit. Right now, there's a lot of people in Toronto who have no proper access uh, to public transit. I was talking to somebody who lived up in the northeast part of Scarborough, and they would have to get uh, they would have to take a 20 minute walk to get to the bus yep. before they even get on the bus, let alone go to the subway. And a lot of people in mid February, especially, are going to say, "I don't think I'll be doing that today. I'll just take my car." Well, and we're here in uh, Liberty Village, uh, much the same. It's true. There's one bus stop here. Well, you know, with Liberty Village, we're trying to significantly improve streetcar performance. We've done a whole lot of things like open, you know, rear door entry and this kind of thing. But the real solution is going to come or one of the biggest contributors to better circumstances when SmartTrack is operating because there's going to be a SmartTrack station. We've announced it with the provincial government. They're starting to do the work on uh, getting uh, people to put in bids to build it. And there will be a a station there where you can get on there and ride to Union Station or, for that matter, ride west to Mississauga to go to work, and I think it's going to give dramatically improved transit service to the people who live and work in Liberty Village. Okay, well, Mayor Tory, I hope that uh, pretty soon we end up doing uh, many fewer shows on the problem of pedestrians, particularly Zoomer pedestrians. I, I hope you do fewer hit. shows, too, because the things got better, and we're working on it every day, but, you know, it takes time, but we are working on it, and uh, thank you for having me on. And thank you for updating us. Uh, okay. Appreciate your time. Bye, Libby. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.